0: Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? If I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go?
3: Shame on, shame
0: on you. <laughs> it's Abe Lincoln's top hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom! Yeah. can't get fooled again.
1: All right, welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Hey, Ben. You know him. You love him. Today's guest. You can watch him on Redacted tonight on Russian television. John F. O'Donnell is with us. Thanks for being here, JFOD.
2: Hell yeah!
1: All right, so uh, let's see. Let's just start off. The Russians have been involved in this election to a uh, to an extent that is wonderfully exciting and uh, captivating. Of course, they were the ones who were accused by many of hacking Hillary Clinton's email and, uh, and leading to the possible death of this DNC staffer, which perhaps we'll get into a little bit here. So you're on the inside. You're the mouthpiece of Putin! And you're a very beautiful mouthpiece. What's been going on over there at RT, well, specifically all, redacted tonight?
2: First of all, I have no fucking idea what's going on with the the DNC fucking hack and leak and stuff like that. Tell me you all know? about Russia. <laughs> you're, you're a mouthpiece for the whole nation. If anybody, if you want to know the ultimate irony about it, we are this incredibly leftist political satire show mm-hmm. outside the two party system. Uh, we critique things from the left. We critique America from the left because we love this fucking country. If I was actually going to be talking about Russia, I would be doing it from the perspective of critiques of America. I mean, we all know how fucked up Russia is. It's an oh. authoritarian country, yep. absolutely. They don't have a diversified economy at all. It's 80% uh, oil and gas and minerals. There's Government a lot owned, of yeah. trouble and different things going on there. But if I was going to talk about Russian-American relations, I would talk about this encroachment of NATO and what that means. I would talk about... Well, let's
1: get it. Into it. The encroachment of NATO. Obviously, this is something Donald Trump wants the United States to restructure. He's not happy. He didn't think that we got the best deal possible. Mm. Uh, so, what is your thoughts on NATO when it comes to Donald Trump and the relationship we currently have with the Russians? Do you think that what <laughs> that what he wants to what he wants to have a new coalition that we've never seen before, or not since World War II, when it comes to the U.S. and the Russians getting along and trying to uh, create a greater, uh, trying to trying to create a world that they uh, believe they'll have more power. Powering.
2: Okay, well, here's here's what I think. First of all, I don't trust anything that Donald Trump says. So even if. That's a good point. We, <laughs>
1: everything begins with that statement regarding Donald Trump.
2: That's what sucks. He can talk out of both sides of his mouth and appeal to this weird right wing nationalism, mm-hmm. but then also appeal to certain populist leftist uh, things. Like, Absolutely. Like right now, he's all anti TPP. As yep. you know, all these people on the left, they hate the Trans Pacific Partnership. They mm-hmm. see it as NAFTA on steroids. Then you got Donald Trump totally. saying it's NAFTA on steroids. But I don't trust him. Like, I don't want him. Okay. I don't want him to be the one saying we need better relations between America and Russia. I would want like the Democrats to say that I would want something on the left to say that instead of right now, what seems to be happening is the whole Hillary camp and everything like that. Anybody that has any sort of association with Russia, it's almost like red baiting is happening. The mm-hmm. way that they're going after Jill Stein right now, because Jill Stein went to like a conference in Russia. She, she made was, a lot like, of money, mentioned like a
1: lot of pop stars will go and sing for dictators who are completely against gay rights, women's rights and rights in, uh, in general.
2: Yeah, but that's not a fair assessment because she didn't make a lot of money. She went over there. Well, she's
1: still Jill Stein at the end of the day. Yeah. She's, well, not, she's not Beyonce. You know, okay. she's not Shakira. Okay. No, you
0: mean relatively a lot of okay. money. For Jill
1: Stein, she made <laughs> 85 bucks. The biggest payday of her Listen life. Listen
0: to me. Anybody
2: that says Jill Stein doesn't have enough experience, are you kidding me? She was on the Concord, Massachusetts... Uh, Town Hall Commission. That's an elected. That's an elected that's, position, right, right there, Ben. Town how Hall the Commissions
1: fuck? are heated, and everybody how, knows how it's how on one side political. Are you going to tell
2: me she's not ready to be the president of the United States?
1: I didn't even say that. You projected that view on me. I'm like, this chick knows how to get coffee and sit down and be bored for three hours. She should be the next president of the United States because at the end of the day, legislation is extremely slow and boring, and you got to know how to get that coffee just right. Well,
2: I will tell you that I will tell you this, man. If you watch, if you watch our interviews lately because like you know obviously now there's been they're paying more people are the mainstream media is paying more, somewhat more attention to third parties like uh Jill Stein and Gary Johnson because yes. both of the establishment establishment well, I guess Trump's not an establishment candidate but both of the major party candidates are so uh you know disliked by well, so many I think people
1: what the um, obviously and I want to go back to TPP uh, just briefly obviously the reason that I am against it is because it is a it's just an extension of slavery I mean we, we've been we have been um, exporting our slavery institution for a very long time in order to get goods for cheap and makes everybody that makes everybody super happy when they go to the super Walmart super Walmart and then get lobster and a new tent and a machete for under 17 bucks
2: um, thank you children of the third world
1: CNN is <laughs> officially in <laughs> cahoots with the Clinton administration. I mean, you look at Donna Brazil who is now the head of the DNC. She was the number one mouthpiece uh, for the Democrats on that network. The people, there is a streamline from media to politics and political office, and holding political office. So I think What's happening right now, specifically with CNN, they're allowing the libertarian town hall debate. Uh, the, the, they did two libertarian town halls. The second one uh, got 1.4 million views. It, it won the night, which was big. And now, of course, they're going to allow the Green Party's Jill Stein to have her own town hall. I think they're attempting, as we know the media is just an extension of the, uh, of the government, to divide the electorate once again to make sure that Hillary Clinton is elected president. Wait, wait,
2: you think that's their underlying motive for having the town
1: halls? And I believe people are searching for the first time in our lifetime for a legit third-party candidate, and so I think the numbers are also in. They're getting some advertisers again. They won the night. The Libertarians have never won anything, uh, let alone a, uh, a major ratings. Uh, never, not alone let alone winning ratings for a major network.
2: But hold on a second. I think if they're fracturing the vote and stuff like that, I, isn't it? Isn't it's not bad. I isn't potentially think it's good though isn't potentially any Gary uh, Gary Johnson vote a vote away from Trump and any Jill Stein one is like a a vote uh, away from Hillary
1: no I wrote an article for Heat Street I am a published author yes you are and what do I start saying now Heat Street Heat Street what do I say
2: well, I never. Well,
1: I've never. That's what published <laughs> authors say. Well, I, I never. Wouldn't you believe <laughs> things like that? No, I, 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 believe that's a bit of a lie. I think the Libertarian Party tends to pull equally from both sides, relatively speaking, uh, and not, and they don't pull enough from either side to tilt the election, especially yeah. the way that we do it with the fifty-state uh, electorate and with yes. the electoral college that puts in place. Ross Perot didn't win one state. He had nineteen million voters come out and support him. He 19% didn't win of one. The vote. one yeah. He did not win one state. So
2: Now, not to get too off topic, but yes. I do want to go back to this. The only reason that he was able to get access to the debate stage was because that particular year, the Commission on Presidential Debates, which is a private organization made that, up yeah. of Republicans and Democrats, so fucking corrupt, they did not use their 15% threshold, uh, like polling threshold, that mm-hmm. they're using now this time that actually ices out Jill Stein and Gary Johnson from potentially what? getting on the base. I know Gary's getting closer. Gary is getting closer. Let me tell you this. this. Before we go back, I mean, that's the uh, that's, that's the uh, I know, but, no, but I mean, that's the, like, the friendly side out of the average averaging around 12 he may need to average 15 on percent now on what five, polls do they look at we don't know but which polls but, does he even get on um right, but that's uh that's a good point but this is what i wanted to say to you if it was my twitter poll He's doing oh, great. He's, yeah,
1: he's right, in. He's fantastic.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirty percent. Oh, really? With uh, with uh, with disaffected uh, young white men. He's, yeah, uh, he's doing well. That's oh, cool. There's a
1: lot of diversity there. Oh there's yeah, there's a so ton of di- white men. I'll tell
2: you, there's a ton. You're right. You're right. There's a ton yeah. of diversity in the Libertarian Party. I think it was a real good idea them uh, uh, tapping uh, William Weld, the, uh, <laughs> the guy that's way. Don't whiter. even diss
1: on Bill. I know Bill <laughs> <laughs> Weld. He's a nice guy. He's a tall guy. He looks like Frank Drebin from uh, from uh, <laughs> yeah, Naked Gun. Yeah, yeah. you, you got to trust the
2: guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He's my man. Okay,
0: you just like him because he's a ginger.
1: Oh, and he's tall, and he might have a small
2: alcohol problem, but that's not why I like him. <laughs> oh, I love when they I like ask him, it. like, so which Supreme Court justice you're like? He's like, well, that Hugo Black was a good one. And he, he was just fine. <laughs> okay, but anyway, this is the thing. I don't want to, uh, I'm not trying to be uh, uh, disrespectful or hurtful here, but I will be honest with you. I'm not saying uh, Gary Johnson is a dumb person. He's not a but dumb person. I'm going to say this, his ability to eloquate and speak and put out his points and stuff like that, not so good, dude. Like, in that I second mean, Have you listened hall- to
1: Hillary? Have you listened? I mean, you go back listen to Harry Truman, the man who dropped the bomb. Listen to them speak. This whole idea that politicians, presidents have to be the most theatrical, most lovable people, they're not auditioning for Hamilton. They are running for an office that requires boring legislation, that requires hard decisions to be made. Gary Johnson happens. He's quirky. He's weird. He wears sneakers with suits. A <laughs> lot does. of people hate that. He is, there, <laughs> That's there the is one a, thing I like. He's somewhere on the spectrum. He also climbed Mount Everest with a broken leg. Leg. But what, <laughs> what's wrong with his personality? Yes, maybe he doesn't have the most um, eloquent uh, delivery system of speech. But hey, look at Donald Trump. He's clunkier than, the da- than a damn Russian okay, tank. Okay, these are,
2: these are, okay. He's doing those Russian tanks. <laughs> 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 so this is, first of all, this is a, that's a correlation. Oh, uh, you Russian tanks. <laughs> first of all, it's a correlation argument. Just because somebody else sucks his speaking should not be uh, a reason for him to be, <laughs> for you to be okay well, with like him.
1: T- technically, correlation arguments work very well in an election where we're choosing between three individuals or four, if you have John Stein okay. Well, list. I will
2: be honest with you. If you watch interviews lately with Jill Stein, even when she's being like uh, berated uh, by uh, different Fox interviews and stuff like that, oh she, berated! Please asked a question is not being. Are, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? She was. What's the one with uh, Tucker Carlson? Some lady. Love Tucker, and then, nice guy. Okay, whatever, whatever. But then the third dude who looked like some sort of. I don't know, he looked like some sort of, like, uh, if, like, some sort of, like, Nazi eugenics experiment went well. Like, the guy, he's got, like... Oh, Brett Bear, Maybe, I don't know, young guy, whatever, super, super hot?
0: Whatever. They're all uh, attractive over uh, there, other than me. But anyway. Oh, Brett Baer, yeah, that's a Nazi. But anyway, He's not
2: yeah. a Nazi. Brett's extremely nice. Dude, I'm not <laughs> to her. He was asking the most ridiculous questions. He's like, so like Edward Snowden comes up, she's like, oh yeah, and Edward Snowden and his leaks that cost the lives of all sorts of intelligence. It's like, no, no, they didn't because all of those, all of those leaks were vetted uh, properly and rightly so, and it did not, that did not happen. But anyway, she very, very well was able to push through all those bullshit arguments and really get out a really interesting, nuanced point about this Green New Deal, about creating 20 million jobs mm-hmm. by, you know, gr- by greening our country and at the same time, uh, you know, staving off the most uh, the most pressing aspects of uh, of environmental degradation. All
1: right. We'll stick with Jill Stein, because obviously uh, you like her. And I am interested to hear why my arguments against 2007, when Barack Obama announced that he would run for the presidency, everyone lambasted him as being far too inexperienced. This at the time was a man who was a sitting U.S. senator. We have a situation junior junior. junior. okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> which is kind of it's cooler than being the senior. Everyone right. wants to be the junior, right? Um, <laughs> but people didn't think he had enough uh, experience. now we have we fast forward to someone like Jill Stein. What is in? what is her policy? Uh, regarding many things that she's never even had to come close to make a decision on. You know, you have you have Gary Johnson, Bill Weld, both two-term governors of, of blue states for the most part. Uh, you have, you have uh, you know, Donald Trump who is, you know, more inexperienced than, uh, than Barack Obama was, but you could argue more experienced than Jill Stein. Yeah, you simply. could
2: argue that if you're fucking insane. Well,
1: a lot of people are. <laughs> and then obviously Hillary has the most. But how does Jill Stein get over that hurdle of people being like, who are you? You're a Massachusetts uh, city councilwoman, and all of a sudden you want to run for the highest office in the world yeah fuck it but I mean, I wish, well, I you mean know, how, that's kind of how this whole well, how election it, has been. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like th- we're playing a game yeah. of burn it down, don't burn it down. Yeah. But no, no, I think is, he want, JFON wants to burn it down. Don't Marcus. burn it down. I
2: don't want to burn it down. Good. Also, I will tell you this: the the, uh, the best case scenario I see is her is Jill Stein getting enough traction Or enough name recognition through this election, and then if she's smart, uh, in uh, in 2018 she'll run for a fucking Senate seat in Massachusetts. Why well, don't and why, then go from there? But
1: what is happening with people right now?
2: They just jump right into the
1: presidential race. There's this guy on the right named Evan. McCullough. McCullen, mm-hmm. who nobody has ever heard of. I believe he had 135 Twitter followers. Not that that should matter, but it does. No, it's CIA, not McCullen, bro. it's McMullen. McMullen, uh, <laughs> I apologize. McMullen. Here's how obscure he is. Okay. I
2: wasn't even going to correct you, because I didn't even... <laughs> know he
1: is so obscure. He's he, the, the right's running him. Obviously, they tried to run this other fellow uh, uh, a bit earlier, and now I've come... Uh, David French. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of nowhere, these people are just popping up to try to uh, get some conservatives over to their side and,
2: and leave Trump. Was this uh, led by, like, you- that Bill Chris Dude, it's it's a similar situation because because these guys these guys there's some people they can't endorse because this this is what's also is fucking with me my head is so fucked with this whole thing Uh, like uh, it's really shitty position to be to the so far to the left of Hillary Clinton right now and then having to figure out how to navigate your way through these waters without being like a Trump apologist and then there's but there's all this gnarly shit happening like. Okay, the neoconservatives, you know, you got your, your you know, the whole, like, basically that, that whole, the extension of that Bush camp, right? You got, like, uh, the the more under-the-radar ones are guys like Robert Kagan and Fred Kagan, their father, Dom Kagan, Kim Kagan, Victoria Nuland, who's undersecretary of State for Eurasian Affairs and shit like that. Bill Kristol's another guy that's in this camp. Younger guys are these guys like uh, Jeremy Kershik, whatever, right?
1: Yeah, I would argue someone like Charles Cook would also be on that list. I yes. mean, there's a lot of young uh, conservatives. You're right, Charles Cook,
2: definitely. Charles yeah, Cook. he's a great guy, though, but nice man. But anyway, yeah. you were- Saying. I know Charles very well. Yeah, oh, a good guy, guy wears me out. All right, but uh, okay. So, so anyway, uh, what's happening is not all of them. That camp is split, but a lot of them have yes. aligned themselves and are supporting Hillary Clinton. Many um, have, yeah. Many as predicted, have, yeah, as predicted, because they at least know what she's going to do with foreign policy. These guys are the war guys. They're all about war. They think the strength and greatness of America is connected with the strength and greatness and activity of our military. Absolutely, and shit like that. They're psychos, I think. Um, but uh, but. So they're all behind Hillary now. Like, uh, Robert Kagan just threw a fucking fundraiser for her. It was officially on her website. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to be the left-wing candidate. She's completely yeah. aligned. She's completely pivoted and is trying to, uh, you know, uh, court all of these right-wing people. Right. It kind of pisses me off. No, it's, and it's,
1: it's an interesting conversation. I feel as if I can say her name because she's been on the show previously. No, Miki Const is a good friend of the show, and she's a great person. She was very... Behind the Bernie Sanders campaign she was one of the larger mouthpieces Uh, her and Rosario Dawson were constantly out there I mean she's an amazing talking head, an incredible uh, political pundit I had a conversation with her they were looking at Jill Stein and they and first of all they cannot support she cannot support Hillary They they spoke with the campaign and they were these are what we want to have happen, you know and then immediately Hillary went and had a massive fundraising meeting with the largest institutions of Wall Street. I mean, a complete and utter slap in the face to the coalition that Bernie Sanders created. They looked at Jill Stein and they just did not find her to have enough experience. So they were sniffing around Mr. Gary Johnson. So I was talking with her about how Bernie Sanders supporters like Gary has said, 75 percent of his policies uh, and Bernie's policies, uh, you know, in a Venn diagram, such as we talked about in mm-hmm. the last episode, are together, but obviously the economics they break. Yeah, but so, that's though, huge people though. now. Yeah. That's connected wanna, to everything. Yeah, and this is what I want to talk to you about. So, when it comes to Bernie, do you think it's the economic platform that Bernie Sanders was putting forward, or do you think it was the social platforms that he was putting forward that resonated most with his uh, constituents? Because if it is the economics, then they're not going to go to Gary, but if oh, it yeah. is the social, then I think Jill Stein has a much better chance I've, of stealing some of his, not stealing, uh, rightfully being rewarded
2: with some of his voters. I got to be honest with you. I think that it's the economics. Yeah, because I mean, the economics easily. That's yeah. why they kept front and center. And that's why but a lot of it? people, certain, that's why the Black Lives Matter movement had been split about Bernie because they thought that he was making the economic inequality thing too central. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that even if economic inequality is reduced, that, you know, institutionalized racism is still going to subsist and black people are dying in the streets. So that needs to be the issue that's front and center. That's well, why I there were disruptions argue- of his speeches and things like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you could argue economic equality would then theoretically alleviate a lot of other inequalities because you, you in a can. capitalist nation money buys power you and can. it buys happiness at the end of the day. You can, but
2: this goes back to like the initial civil rights movement and there was all, there was that same debate at the time there, and they were saying that oh, even if more economic opportunities happen, does it mean that uh, that people of color are going to have access to them? And that unconscious white supremacy is actually going to finally be really addressed, and unconscious bias and stuff like that is going to be addressed, and we can finally transcend that. Sure. I do want to
1: point out I don't know why I want to say this. It's just a random fact that I learned this week and maybe some of our Trump supporter listeners will be able to use it in a random argument. The first person to own slaves was black. I don't know why I'm pointing oh, that out, God. but that's something conservatives <laughs> will always say. Yeah, I watched that, I mean, Dinesh that, D'Souza. Yeah, that yeah.
0: is something that uh oh, That's Dinesh. what white supremacists <laughs> yeah. say. That is yeah, what yeah, they say. Like, yeah. That is a white supremacist anyway. back pocket <laughs> argument. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad Did that. you know Did you know <laughs> that did you there know? used to be here yes. in this country, here yes. when my right, when my ancestors came over, mm. the Irish ancestors, they was treated worse <laughs> than the blacks yeah that 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 is a fact right there. Did you know? <laughs> did you know that back in Africa, it used to be other tribes that would <laughs> sell slaves to the slaveholders. There's a, still d- slavery d- in Africa. What did the Native Americans do? We, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Did you know that Africa is the only place where slavery still exists? Uh, I want to, but that I'm that happy is, uh, for Ben. See, I am proud of you,
2: you for having the uh, you know, the the the. Sh- Courage or shamelessness—I don't know what it is, but whatever it it's was, just for entertainment yeah, for reasons, entertainment reasons throwing it out there. Just for you to throw that out there, because <laughs> what that probably does is tap into some place in you, some sort of level of socialization that you have, that you have to a large extent transcended, because you're an introspective comedian and talking head person and stuff like that. Yeah. But it is still something that is a reflexive, like, oh, what about that? You know? Like, well,
1: it, it, well, the the reason that I brought it up is because uh, we were discussing social issues versus economic issues, and it's interesting that Bernie Sanders supporters. were focus on economic issues because the seems to me we're in a time where the vast majority of society is voting on social issues and the economic issues have sort of been swept under the rug hence we have somebody like Hillary Clinton who can speak out of both sides of her mouth regarding economic inequality and then go again to a fundraiser full of the largest individuals of Wall Street and the largest institutions on Wall Street so it's it it, it sort of strikes me as ironic that a lot of people considered Bernie Sanders supporters to be anti-intellectual or um, just flippant with their political support when in reality I suppose you you could argue they were the ones who were really looking at numbers of, uh, behind the issues, which is theoretically a much more boring conversation to have. But when
2: Bernie says it, it's kind of fun. The top one percent of the two percent, yeah. the three percent, ninety percent of the new income is going to the one. You know what I mean? You make it's him like, sound like Count Dracula. The <laughs> I'm, not not good, I'm not good at accents. <laughs> <laughs> a, it's just a person. That's a person. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, that's a good point. So, um, but, so but I think though, yeah. I think though that be, Hillary Clinton is a political opportunist, right? She'll of go. With, she'll go with, with which. She'll go with whichever way that the uh, the political winds are blowing. Right yes. now, the political winds and social issues. Are blowing in a in a more progressive way, so I'm not. Ex- I don't. I'm not worried. I don't think she's going to try to you know stymie anything that's going on for LGBTQ rights. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think she's actually going to try to do something for criminal justice reform and stuff like that because there is alignment for that now on both parties. Because you know what that, really that is, bo- yeah. So I think that. All of that shit, she's going to be kind of status quo-y with or kind of push forward because that's what the country wants. Like, for example, it is not cool to be homophobic these days, and it's also not economically prudent. The reason that a lot of these laws are getting rolled back, these religious freedom laws and stuff like that, is because all of these companies are saying they're going to pull out and it's going to crush the economies of these things. So you've got Republican governors vetoing even crazier right-wing Republican uh, legislatures that are trying to pass these repressive laws.
1: And that's exactly what I was saying regarding economic equality and economics being one of the greater um, uh, facilitators of freedom. As soon as we – I mean as soon as it hurts the bottom line, they will – all social issues. Everyone, as soon as it hurts the bottom line to be homophobic, then homophobia is out the sure. window. Sure. So but the reality argue- is,
2: when you pa- when you push past all of these, these these social issues and you scratch past the surface and you look at what the libertarian's about, it's it's pretty far away, dude. I mean, they don't want the idea of a the idea of a minimum wage. Even though I even though I potentially have problems with a specific policy of a of a minimum wage putting too much of a, a burden on small businesses compared to what I actually want. And I think will be talked about down the line is. Uh, UBI, universal basic income, especially relative to all of this automation and mechanization of jobs. And there's we've talked be about yeah, and and it, I think there's some yeah. libertarians that actually are more OK with the UBI universal basic income compared to this fucked up version of the welfare state right now that essentially does, uh, you know, keep people uh, does de-incentivize people from working.
1: Absolutely. And we've talked about that in the show regularly, especially when it comes to automation in 2045. Of course, they say roughly half of the uh, jobs in the United States will be automated. And I think it's even going to happen uh Sooner than that, Marcus and I had conversations about, do you tax companies uh, who, who have more automation and less people, or do you do something like just a, 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 a base wage for everyone who lives in this nation? Similar to what they passed, I believe it was in Norway. Of course, Norway is a nation the size of Wisconsin or a little bit smaller, so it'll be tough. I mean, and then what kind of a, what kind of society... Do we have if everybody uh, is given twenty five, thirty thousand dollars a year? How do we come up with the number about how much money people should get? It does sort of lead us down
2: to a road of communism. (laughs) (laughs) But there's studies that show that it does not like it actually opens up the economy. If people have just their their housing and their food taken care of. Right. Then they're not scraping by. They're not uh, they're not being stifled from fulfilling their creative potential and what sort of jobs they want to do because they're not just having to do these different, crazy, like weird, odd jobs.
1: And and a lot of those studies come from nations such as Libya, a nation, of course, that Hillary Clinton wasn't too fond of and decided to destroy because she didn't like Gaddafi and the way that he treated his uh, uh, whatever. Wait, those studies come from Libya? Libya was the only successful African country and it was because Gaddafi promised exactly what you're promising right now, which is a home, and I believe he promised a car, and he gave his father one, like, last. He gave his dad, like, a home last, just to prove that he was so nice which i thought if you were his dad i'd be like come on come on you know hey. Come I'm on, come on, i um, Yeah, sure his that,
2: dad got some other uh, stuff on the DL. I hope so <laughs> for his sake. And
1: a lot of people point to Libya and their economic model, specifically when it comes to the government um, and 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 how it tied to their political pr- uh, practices. And they look at that and they do side with you and the idea that giving a house for uh, everybody would lead to uh, some economic stability. And it wa- and Libya is a good example, I suppose, because it was the only country that was successful in Africa. But we made sure that wasn't lasting too much longer.
2: Yeah, they had um, they had a pretty good like for. Africa. They had the highest. They had the highest quality of life, GDP, and all that sort of per capita by income. By far, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and now and it's what, like you know, now it's doing pretty well. You know, not, I'm not just that. kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like a family state. Topic. And now we're in there. We're in there. Of we're course back in we're. In, there. Oh my god. We can't.
1: We don't even want to get into the. the remember Libya? Mm-hmm. How no one had any guns, and then we're like, we're going in, and then all of a sudden, the rebels, the people who are basically what we would consider farmers in our nation, armed to the teeth. They all looked like uh, you know Dr. Dre from an N.W.A. video. I mean, they had more weaponry than anyone could ever imagine. And they were beautiful weapons that, they, that the U.S. used like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah.
2: Now, Ben, I know that we're sort of just jumping all around, but... I Well,
1: we'll stay focused. I do want
2: to get back just really quickly. I wanted quickly. to say something about Jill Stein, but go ahead. No, go... Okay, I, and I want to focus again on
1: go back to Hillary Clinton and um and and police reform and uh, and um the prison industrial complex reform and why you think she's actually going to pass anything when it comes to that. But okay, another point on Jill Stein.
2: Okay, what I want to say is if you hear the way that she talks about her plan for how to uh forgive everybody's college debt and stuff like that it's it's interesting it's not just a it doesn't seem like a totally uh half-baked uh, uh scheme she talks about uh about uh quantitative easing she looks at like the humongous uh bank bailout right mm-hmm. like basically there was that 800 uh, uh million dollar uh 800 yeah 800 no 800 billion dollar tarp thing right that was the thing but that the banks paid back but outside of that there was an over a four trillion dollars of the Federal Reserve doing quantitative easing like printing more money and stuff like that but still trying to control and make sure that you know the inflation didn't get too crazy and the yeah. dollar didn't get too weak even though it was beneficial for us to make our dollar weak for all of those years um uh, uh, after 2008 in uh, in order to allow our economy to kind of like uh in order in order to make it more attractive for uh for other uh, other countries to invest in us and stuff like that and buy up our currency so so, so because we devalued it. But she says that a similar type of quantitative easing can happen to wipe all of this debt off the books, and it actually would then that would actually free up all of these people from the shackle of debt so they can all get into the fields they want to do and do all of this sort of stuff that combined with all of these green energy jobs. If we really looked at it as like a state of emergency as like a, you know, equivalent to like world war two building up to war, but doing that in order to change our economy into the sustainable, you know, kind of like a green energy economy and infrastructure and things like that, that it actually would help our economy. And it would cost about like, you know, like $1.4 trillion of, of, of uh, quantitative easing, of printing more money, um, in order to yeah. uh, in order to get all of this, like because here's the thing, it's like, and this is the thing, i like Fox News, like they're yelling, they're like, well, isn't this personal responsibility? These people went to these colleges, you know, why should they not have to pay for it? Why do they want all this free stuff? And she says, well, listen, you know, the mm-hmm. banks lied to us, they fucked these people over. The whole idea was that if they went and did this thing, they'd be able to get jobs when they got out of yeah. college, and those jobs weren't fucking there. Well, so what okay. do you do? You uh, just let's shackle talk them that. with debt forever.
1: So let's talk about. Is that about, good for all, our country? We can talk about the green jobs and uh, and things like that in a second. Going back to college, um, the number one problem here stems from the entire institution itself. Colleges are businesses, and the people who pay those the the, the rent, uh, the people who pay to keep the lights on in colleges, are the students. So there's a complete and utter. Um, there needs to be a complete realignment of power. You have these institutions who are taking kids' money, and they are allowing—they uh, are allowing kids to graduate f- with degrees that are true bullshit. You can—you gr- can graduate from a college with 150,000 in debt f- for a de- for, with a degree in like height. And what's it like to be a six foot seven ginger from Wisconsin, that's my major, I'm creating it. And they're gonna let me, they're gonna take my money and they're gonna put me in sociology classes. They're gonna let me write a final thesis on life as a six foot seven ginger. And when I get into the workforce, every job is like, I see you graduated from Dickhead University, what's your degree in? Oh, it's even a more bullshit subject than I could have ever imagined. So you have a you have a situation where colleges are allowing kids taking their money and allowing kids to be non-educated just solely, in uh, that's they're rare. using it as a a function of uh, of a social club as opposed to an institute is uh, opposed to an institution of learning. And you have people coming overseas who are getting their degrees in science, getting their degrees in biology. And as soon as they get those degrees, we 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 oust them out of the nation. I think people like getting those super bullshit
0: degrees. I think that's, I don't think that's that uncommon. Marcus. I think it's pretty rare. Uh, I, I don't think it is. I think it's pretty rare. I think there are plenty of people out there that are getting actual like useful hey, degrees. I got my degree in
1: sociology and political science, okay? I think I know about useful degrees. Okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I do think that there are plenty of people out there. Uh, if there was just a shitload of people out there that were just getting these awful useless degrees and so, and weren't getting any jobs, it's like, okay, that's fine. But there are people out there that are getting engineering degrees. There sure. are people out there that are getting they're getting degrees that used to be sure yeah. things. Like engin- an engineering degree used to be a sure thing. You get that, no. man, you were getting a job right out of college, and it's not happening anymore. No, I, the, I, I do not
1: believe that that is true. I think it is true they are, uh, the, the mass amount of jobs that college kids are not getting out of universities is because those the college degrees that they've gotten do not they, they do not facilitate themselves in, in, in any way to a practical job okay the only thing that universities do one of the main things they do is create a circle. Of, uh, of employment. They have their own insular snow globe-esque economy where you can just have a degree and uh, have a career in academia and you never actually, this is the ivory tower syndrome that happens on a regular basis, yeah. and you never actually have to go get a real
0: job. Yeah. So it's
1: all, it's it's uh, the whole institution, in my opinion, at this point is becoming a farce.
0: I mean, it has always been, you know, of course, like an academia, like a snake eating its own toe. When you get people like, mm. you know, when you get degrees. I like that, a snake eating its own toe. Yeah, Uroboros, tail. I said tail. <laughs> I (laughs) I I love those those toad snakes. Yeah, toad snakes. Mm. Uh, But yeah, when you talk about like history and, you know, English, philosophy, that sort of, those sorts of things, uh, you know, some of those people, it is sort of a a circular type of thing going there. But a lot of those people with English degrees uh, and philosophy degrees, a lot of those people go into law school. Those things are are very useful for law school. Uh, But another thing that you have is that when people come out with these degrees that, you know, people coming out of med school, people coming out of law school, you know, these, the college is so ridiculously expensive uh, that these people, even when they come out with extremely useful degrees, extremely practical degrees sure. with jobs, they're not making any money at all. They're okay. making nothing because they're in such deep, insane amounts of debt. Also, let me say mm-hmm. this.
2: Okay, even all of these. Let's talk about the. Uh, let's say. Let's say all of these cultural problems you're saying uh, are true. Right outside of that. Where we're you know, they are true. Okay, well 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 I don't well I mean I think I I, I think I also agree with Marcus. like I know for a well, fact of course. I know for a fact there's so many people I mean how could you not? But I the, for I know for a fact there's there's too many pe- there's too many lawyers now. There's so many there's there's so many people that have law degrees. There's not even enough positions for them in certain states. Are you arguing for robot lawyers? <laughs> let's get robot lawyers. <laughs> I would love it. But No, let, no. But let's I'm, stick with No, but okay, go on and we'll I ask one I want to ask before other question. we before we go in before we I continue. I want to stick with that, universities first. I do too. I'm not going anywhere, but I want to I want to know what do you think about uh, Jill Stein's uh, idea of bailing out the students because we bailed out uh, Wall Street? This
1: is exactly what I think about it. Right. We we have people who want to put in free college for everybody or or which is theoretically what getting rid of the debt is. Right. Now, you have, you, you've, you've just had a free college experience. My issue with it is, and again, this comes down to un- unintended consequences to laws. What you have then is another layer, another tier that people must get over, they, another hurdle they have to get over to just begin. To operate as a, as a uh, successful person or to begin the the um, ascent to becoming a successful person. Back in the day, all you really needed was a middle school education. Then it became high school. And now if we do that to college, it's not like, oh, my God, we're giving people free college. No. Now you have another four-year institution that you have to attend. Oh, dude, it's if been if like you... that
0: for decades now.
1: But I'm just saying, in my opinion, it leads to another hurdle and if you don't have a college degree nowadays it's just like not having a high school degree in the 90s and it's like never never even graduating sixth grade in the 30s but isn't that so just going to be the case an unintended anyway is no, that the case already
2: that's already the
1: case that's exactly what i'm saying but th- college used but to be something but how do you something- make that
2: not the case i mean especially if we're not going to have we're not going to have all these manufacturing jobs we're not going to have all of these vocational jobs true. and things like that so how do you how do you make that the case if uh if how, it's it is the case already the, there is the the unintended what Job's be.
1: There are many jobs. There are many jobs. You still need car repairmen. You still need you need plumbers. You need people to pave streets. You need you need people to uh, work on the robots uh, that will be taking over multiple jobs. Um, yeah, but, but you got to get an engineering degree to work on that robot. You know what? In this day and age, engineering degrees you don't even need them. You just got to hit a couple of buttons on an app. Yeah, but who's gonna fix the app? Somebody from it with an engineering degree, <laughs> whatever. From Asia, <laughs> someone else. Asian. I'm just saying. It, I, I think it does do a great disservice the idea that somehow if we make college a universal f- uh, fact, um, I think it actually, ironically enough. Puts another barrier in the way of many individuals who might not be the most collegiate minded and don't necessarily want to exceed in the world, uh, you know, going through the proper steps that we've so deemed them to go
2: through. I think that's a good thought and a creative thought, but I don't think it's true because I think currently we have the situation now where there already are people that going to college that maybe don't necessarily need to go to college, right? Sure. Maybe. I don't think that making it affordable uh, is going to totally. Free is not affordable. No, okay, make, okay. I don't think that making it free, I think you have to change, I think you have to make it free, but also change the culture of being like, hey, Not everybody necessarily needs to go to college. I
1: completely agree, but if you make it free, if you make it a standard, then everybody—if you don't go to college—you're gonna, you're gonna be considered a lesser than. And I think that that's really unfair. College. Some of the dumbest
0: people I ever met was in college. Yeah, I mean, I I really do think that a lot of time, for for the most part, that is. Already the truth. So that, why not allow the people that
2: are not going to be the, the dumbasses that can go to college, that would, sure. get, would actually get something out of it, why do we want to shackle them with so much fucking debt for their whole life? And and the, cripple, our, cripple the, the innovation of, the day, of our country.
1: At the end of the day, we live in a time where there is more... Uh, invention. There is more use for creative thought than ever before. It's the only thing that we have as human beings, right? We're not going to be as pro, uh, as proficient or as efficient, rather. You look what happened with the mail service. Why did everyone start going crazy? Because they used humans as an, as an extension of automation. Do you remember this? Going Postal. It's a great documentary on it's Netflix. Really they were just like, human, now you're part of a robot, and you better be as fast and as good as that robot. That's not what we are. We're creative. What are you talking um, about? I that... am talking about the... <laughs> the uh, the, the idea that you have to go to college in order to be successful is less true than ever before. So this whole notion that somehow we're going to go into college and create a standard where if you don't have a college degree, you shouldn't be allowed to, uh, you know, climb up the ranks in in the in a corporate-type setting. I think that that's really unfortunate. And the people who aren't going to college who are realizing that you can have a product much like we have here with last podcast on the left, Ableton's Top Hat and the Roundtable of Gentlemen, everything at Cave Comedy Radio, it is producer-to-consumer. That's what matters the most.
2: None this of these whole- podcasts have college degrees. Well,
1: we have college degrees. <laughs> but, you know, that's many of them
0: don't.
2: These microphones do not.
1: No, they do no. These are the robots <laughs> taking our microphone. If you start talking, yeah, I'm going to kill you.
0: Yeah, but Ben, I mean, where do you think I learned how to do all this? Like, I yes. learned I learned how to do radio in college. I learned how to work this equipment in college. All of this knowledge that I have. Cave Comedy Radio would not exist had I not gone to Texas Tech University. And Texas Tech University, what a, what a great university. It's not, and, but uh, I would not know, have... It's I, a beautiful we, place. We wouldn't be sitting here right now had I not gone to college to learn these skills. Yeah, I'm just saying, ben, at the same was- time,
1: we could have been sitting here had you not gone to college as well.
0: I mean, the, no, we wouldn't be. I mean, I, I, guarantee, Who knows? I guarantee you we would not be. Uh, it just the path would not have led from Rochester, Texas to New York City without college in between. Yeah. It just would not. It just would, would There's a lot happened. there's a lot of people out there smarter than us.
2: Ben, if okay, let's say there was uh a sea change a culture shift where it was like how it used to be We'd be like okay the top so-and-so percentage of the students from high school they go over here they filter into the colleges oh this other group here they go and they get the factory work or whatever and that's just the way it is and somebody that has like a factory job they can raise their family in a dignified way well that's way, the way it get, was yeah, yeah, yeah i I'm saying, that could exist, I'm saying, yeah. that can exist. But let's say something replaces that whole factory world for for the uh the workers
1: a, feeder, the, a feeder gainer patreon you know i mean <laughs> literally I mean, and i'm
2: saying this legitimately. Shane Dawson
1: is a multimillionaire. He has a YouTube channel. He is a YouTube star. There are more outlets now than we
0: had growing up, and it is all what because the fuck of. This
2: is the... a feeder gainer Patreon. I'm sorry. That oh, you don't know what feeder gainers yeah. are? All, no, 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 these oh.
0: are none of this is okay. none of this is viable. Oh. Not for the, not for the regular person. Not for anyone can be a feeder gainer, Marcus. Yeah. Don't ruin feeder wait, wait, gainer dreams. No, I, I know, wait, but, you're but you're all me this,
2: the uh, entire co- like factory job world is going to be replaced by feeder gainers. I don't know what that is. <laughs> no, the,
1: the
3: factories <laughs> are
1: replaced
3: by. Oh my
0: God! All right, Japhod. It's like one. Yeah, But what we used to have is that we used to have an entire town that was yeah. that worked at one place. Like you had right. an entire town that was, you know, actually they would graduate. You know, some people would get out, some people wouldn't, some people would be perfectly happy right. to go from cradle to the grave working for Henry Ford. And you know, that's but, gone. You know, that, that is gone, but that's yeah. the thing, is that the answer is to bring that back in addition to figuring... There is no bringing that back. There is a possibility of bringing no, there that is. back. No,
1: even Nike. Everyone's like, oh my god, Nike Wait. is coming back. Okay, feeder gainers, just to clarify it for you. It's, feeder gainer is a I'm relationship sorry, where I'm somebody sorry. feeds somebody and then that person gets larger, and they have sort of um, a harmonious relationship <laughs> of need.
0: Yeah, and they... And the g- <laughs> oh, the feeder, feeder gainer. And the feeder what did you pays think? money to the gainer. The feeder pays money to the gainer to pay for food. So it's like a Factory town type thing? It's a factory town, but it's a one on one. It's a on factory, one, factory one. town. It's a factory, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait,
2: oh, is this like a sexual fetish? It's a though? sexual oh, fetish.
0: Yeah. It is an absolute sexual yeah. fetish. Okay, well, let me just finish the my point. I'll show you some videos after this. Okay, the, we're I done can't I fucking wait. Let me just finish my point real quick.
2: <laughs> I'm going to say this one thing. You, did, But I didn't even finish my thing, but you just yelled feeder gainer before I got to the point I was trying to make. <laughs> All right, you may that go then. If I, I feeder
1: gainer interrupted you, then you can go. That seems
2: fucking fair. Okay.
1: That's one rule we do have on the show.
2: So let's say that whole feeder gainer thing was replaced. With some sort of new thing that worked for that, so the top twenty percent was just the ones going to college. Don't you think the situation there should be as such that it should be an affordable uh, sort of thing for them compared to this shackling debt? In that case, if it wasn't, I don't think that again. The, I think the I entire think the pre- I don't think the prohibitive price of college yeah. has to be the thing that keeps it from from uh, from tricking think that, everybody into yeah. another level before they can ascend to well, there uh There is success. something very
1: Scientologist about it, um, especially when it comes to the, down to the uh, brainwashing that a lot of these kids are going through. But I think the whole problem is, again, like I just said, the entire power construct is completely off. The students are the ones who are paying for the institution to stay in business, and that's exactly what it is. It is a business. The universities no longer have an investment in actually educating the students. The students are there. It's just a four-year play date. And in my opinion, the entire institution is completely in shambles. And that's why we have a situation where we spend more per child than any nation on earth, and our education system is
2: in shambles. Well, it is a problem that these colleges can charge whatever they want, and then they're just going to get these... These like the, then they then li- they get these loans. Then these get the then the government's and a lot of gonna pay these student the student loans and whatever know, it is and there's no there's no problem. collective and, negotiation and, back and forth. And. Well
1: it just I mean if you're investing hundred and sixty thousand dollars for a for a for a degree that is guaranteed to get you into a profession that you make twenty thousand dollars in, there is something off with that, and maybe that would be uh, maybe that would require a pay scale per degree. If what op, what uh, occupation would your degree let you get into, maybe then you pay a little bit more. If that if that occupation pays a little bit more, we could scale a thing uh, a system such as that. But I'm saying right now the way that it's all set up is completely wrong. The institutions themselves are in, indebted in a strange way to the children to the students. And um, they are just huge corporate businesses that aren't doing the greater good any good. Sure, so that's why I think that we should forgive the debt for those kids. All right. Um, all right. Now, I had a, I had one Nike coming over. A lot of people discussing Nike, going back to factory work. A lot of people talking about how Nike is coming here, and uh, they're, they're praising it. It's because Nike created a new technology where they can basically 3D print shoes. Hmm. We no longer need the people putting together the shoes and six uh, six different parts coming together to form one shoe. Now it's only two. So everyone talking about how Nike is coming over to the country, how that's going to save the day, everyone's going to have a job again in the factories, it's completely wrong. Obviously, some will, though, you know, um, we'll need people like you just mentioned to fix the machines and stuff like that. But the institution of factory work. And factory—the idea of a factory worker being able to feed a family of, let's just say three—is completely gone, and it's never coming back. Yeah,
2: and this is how Trump is uh, swindling all of his supporters he, many times. Yes, yeah, that's very playing true. Playing them, he is the, the. I think the media has largely failed to explain to Trump supporters the phenomena of Trump. This right-wing nationalist is able to come about because well, of the policies of elites, totally because of the policies of neoliberals, because of the yes. policies of establishment Democrats and Republic and uh, and Republicans. This whole idea there's winners and losers in global trade they have been the losers like these you know like yes. uh the the workers the factory workers have yes. been the losers they've been left behind this thing happened without it's been it's gonna be like hey you know what these factory jobs are gonna go why don't we invest in these people something new job training new opportunities okay something so now you have a situation so where he is playing them yeah no he, he is, is just saying them. he's gonna do the, he's, and that's he's an, calling out the ills yes. but his solutions it's not gonna fucking happen well
0: he doesn't have any solutions Okay. Well, he's well, going to get great trade deals.
2: Solu- <laughs> yeah. be I huge. literally, Ben, I literally heard him give a speech where he goes, I know, I've I'm going to get the best speeches. trade deals. You know I'm going to get the best trade deals? I'll tell, you. I'll tell you. He goes, I'll tell you exactly how. I'm going to get great trade deals. Yeah, yeah, and everybody claps. Everyone no, goes no, up. Yeah, I, know. I know. That's, that's why we, we, that's, as we
0: keep saying on the show is that his crazy. whole thing is, you don't worry about blank, I'll worry about <laughs> blank. He worries about blank. <laughs> yeah.
1: But then you have a double pronged problem here, right? Because you have a situation where you have the Elizabeth Warren camp of the Liberal Party, of the Democratic Party, the Liberals of the Democratic Party, being against science in many ways, such as against the Keystone Piper. Pipeline and against fracking. So you have a situation with the people of West,
2: of wow, West that's Virginia. that's a stretch right there, the against science you, on that The one.
1: Keystone Pipeline is completely against science. We know how to get a tube and have oil run through it for crying yeah, out loud. Yeah, one that leaks all the fucking time. Very
2: rarely. Not very, very rarely. Very rarely. Not very rarely. We had and one, over aquifers and shit like that that could potentially decimate water supplies for multiple
1: okay, states. One third of the entire population. Well, that, that is really one clever third, to say against science right It is. There. It that is, is against guys. science. We know how to put a tube together and have a liquid run through it. I don't see what the big deal is. Also, the, the Keystone lakes. Pipeline is
2: politicized.
0: It's a, it is just it, an extension it, of a larger tunnel that system. That bucktail
2: oil and shit in that fucking Alberta tar sand is some of the dirtiest fucking yeah. energy in the planet.
0: It's it, It's terrible stuff. It's a pretty big pipe.
1: One-third of the pollution in California, for example, comes from China. These things are not—pollution does not know national boundaries. It does not—pollution doesn't stop at the so border should of Idaho. we encourage it? No, we should not encourage it, but I'm saying the Keystone Pipeline, which is an extension of a pipeline that already exists, got completely politicized, and it would have been totally fine. You could argue eminent domain and things like that, and I think you have a much more rational argument uh, to be against it. But science has proven we can, we can get tubes— To have liquid flow through them. You have a situation in West Virginia with fracking, for example. The science is out, and I do understand it could lead uh, to some uh, issues. Earthquakes Um, and stuff? Uh, perhaps earthquakes, although flammable I Flammable drinking water? Flammable drinking water is one of my favorite kind of drinking waters. <laughs> I also like fireball,
2: uh, you know, bad. whiskey. I'm in flammable drinking um. water. We are
1: from Britain. But we talked about this on the last episode. People have immediate needs. They need to feed their families. They need to drink their water. They need, to have a, they need to have a car that they can fill up with gas to get to work. So you have somebody like Hillary Clinton going out there to the people of West Virginia, fracking country. My girlfriend's family uh, has made a lot of money. or Not a lot of money. They've made no money. But the people that she knows um, in Wyoming... It's another fracking state. You can't just tell these people that they're not allowed to participate in an activity that's gonna feed their family and have no other option uh, for them to, uh, to, to be
2: drawn to. I agree with that.
1: And it's really, so it's a difficult, so we can sit here and talk about green energy until
2: we're blue in the face. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it it doesn't seem to be happening. Well, it's because we're not putting energy towards, not, not that type of energy, actually like figurative energy towards uh, creating those jobs. And you don't think there's enough infrastructure jobs and cultivating clean energy that could f- could replace these fracking jobs? I mean, of I, know, they could.
0: I know in Texas, yeah. uh, in my part of Texas, uh, wind turbines, like actual like wind energy has been a huge boon to jobs. A ton sure, of people sure. have gotten jobs. Like Whatever manufacturing those, they, yeah. there are a lot of people that get a ton. Of jobs from renewable energy, it's proven work. T Boone Pickens, man. T Boone. T Boone Pickens. I, t- I haven't thought about T Boone I in know, too right. long. I love T Boone Pickens, but yeah, he was someone. Gatherer, feeder, gainer, No, ga- actually, fooder gatherer <laughs> was <laughs> feeder gainers <laughs> in the <laughs> <laughs> 19th century. No, T Boone Pickens is a. He's an eccentric Texas billionaire uh, who was who saw the actual benefits of renewable energy, yeah. of wind energy. He invested a ton of money into it, and he's getting a ton of return on it. So renewable. Renewable energy—it does work. There are people out there that are actually investing in it, and they're loving it. If we want and to do it. it, and you want to talk about people, you know, on their lands, you know, saying, like, okay, like they say they okay, they have this oil underneath their land. They have a right to uh, bring it up out of there. They sure. also have a right to sell uh, space to these uh, renewable energy corporations, like to sure. the actual like wind power. There are ways for these people to monetize their land. There are ways for people to make money off of this. It just doesn't have to be fracking. It doesn't, no, it doesn't to be be have to be fracking off. but
1: why can't we have a coalition of all of these sciences, all of these things come together and then we can actually have a country where we don't have to constantly
2: go start wars in the Middle East because we uh, are in need of their oil. Well, that's bullshit because we haven't been starting these wars for the need of their oil. We haven't been using Saudi Arabia's oil for decades. We have like 20% of our is from the Middle East. Most it's of it comes from of, Canada. That's a huge no, it's percent. A, it's a very low percent relative. 20%? Yes! Yes! When everybody, everybody imagines it's like all of it. we don't. The, no. the reason that we're in the Middle East is to control the supply of that oil, not for our own domestic use, sure. and it's also to have military presence, strategic places for drone bases and different things oh, like that. Oh, of course. I mean, all of that stuff. We're not but, discussing but, that, but, 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 Marcus is right. It's We could do whatever we want with this economy. If we really transition to a green energy economy, the jobs would be all there. And I also agree with you that, no, we can't just let these people out to dry like the people that could now finally right. make some money from fracking. Also, just like the, like the coal industry, right? The coal industry is dying, okay? That is fucking happening. And right. what is interesting is one of the biggest reasons for it dying so quickly um, is fracking. That's one of the uh, the side effects of of this of this natural gas boom is that coal is becoming less and less viable because it's it's getting it's becoming so cheap, right? And well, know, and they argue that because fracking
1: is again much cheaper, and they also argue that the fracking uh, is a safer for the environment solution it, when it comes to well, energy.
2: Exactly. So that's what's interesting, right? So basically. This is this is Hillary Clinton's take on it. You're kind of pretty much aligned with how Hillary Clinton feels about uh, this energy stuff because she is yeah. she's been an ambassador for fracking on an international scale. I mean, she as Secretary she of State, been. she was all over Eastern Europe, every place trying to get everybody to do this fracking. She's helped develop it and things like that. Um uh, the thing is, it has had this weird effect where it is crippling the, the, uh, the, the coal industry. And I think that's good from an environmental perspective, but it doesn't mean I want all of these people, these people who have worked hard for generations mm-hmm. to get fucked over. You know, people that kept the lights on through World War One, World War II, all of this sort of thing. These are salt of the earth people. These are very, very hardworking people. Extremely. But now what's happening, which is so fucked up, is the coal industry, these different big, huge coal companies are going bankrupt. And what's happening is they're declaring bankrupt, and then the first people that are getting fucked over are the uh, are the pensioners and are the people with their like their health benefits and all.
1: Don't that get stuff. British calling them pensioners. <laughs> Come on, my friend. I just watched absolutely fabulous. I know how they talk.
2: Oh, I love it's that a g- show. Great movie. They, the movie
1: is amazing. Oh, Abs- it's the, oh, they made a new movie. Absolutely fabulous! Check it out. Yeah, but uh, yes, to your point again, and I think you made a, a very valid point. Uh, and this we, is we stuff like throw on Redacted tonight. <laughs> Good show. Good you show. can check it out and redact yeah, it tonight. I covered
2: that, and because this is what's the thing. Right. This is the problem. There's there's two types of so basically if a if a coal mine. Uh, Exist right? They mm-hmm. have to. They have to set up like. Uh, they have to create like a bond. They have to hire like a either third company or something to be like, okay, when we leave, you guys are going to clean up this this shit, right? Sure. Or we're creating jobs. Yeah. So it's there's two types of bonds. There's a surety bond, meaning that they set aside this money, being like, okay, we'll pay this this third party to clean the mine, right? But they a lot of uh, these companies uh, in the past number of years have convinced regulators that they'll do a self bonding, meaning the company will be like, hey, look at our books, we're doing so great, we're going to yeah. have enough money, we'll clean it up. However, this is what's so fucking crazy a lot of times they're, they're, they're showing that they can do this thing they can self bond to clean up the land um, and the regulators are saying okay and then the companies are just going fucking bankrupt like Arch Cole showed this like this thing like oh look at our bottom line we got all this we're gonna be fine we can clean it up within a month they went fucking bankrupt so now what's happening is they go to like then they go to like bankruptcy court and uh, and they're, they're, the judge is like oh okay um, well you know we want to be able to pay the uh, the people who are getting their pension or <laughs> they yeah. uh, and like uh, the health care and stuff like that. So we're going to take the money out of these land uh, reclamation uh, funds. The funds that are supposed to be to clean the land. Instead, we're going to pay the people and you want to get the people paid, but at the same time, then these places just become super funds and eventually over time, the federal government through our tax dollars pays to clean it up. It's a really broken, fucked up system. Alright. Um,
1: let's go <laughs> and, uh, into... Uh,
0: yeah, that's true. I, no, just, it was
2: completely messed
1: up. And the question Christ. is, where do, where do we go? Uh, how do we go forward and try to figure out, again, like I said earlier, a coalition of all of these... Uh, all of, of all all of the energies and we can figure
2: out something that is actually reasonable sustainable and pro worker. you yeah. would acknowledge though that phasing out fracking would be a good idea in the long run. Well, the science is still out on fracking. Is
1: it Science is, is
0: pretty in. You know what? It's, it's, I
1: watched Aaron Brockovich. I know I know I know a thing or two. The science is uh, in on, think on the fracking. I science it's, it's shitty it's bad. You know, it's the science stays
2: out when Ben does not like the science. No, the question is, I mean,
1: you know, people get I don't even want to get into it. They get people get very uh, emotional when they talk about the Earth, you know, as if it's you know something more important or more special than just a massive rock that we're I mean, supposed we to use. We need it. We
0: need it to live. <laughs> ah, we like I it. I mean, yeah, yeah, we. I mean, yeah. there. It I, is I'll, a very fragile type of system. That, that uh, was yeah. a hot take right there. That, that was a hot take. That was it's a hot a take. take. <laughs> I mean, who, <laughs> really ca- who really cares about the unpredictability of weather? Certainly not Louisiana right now. Certainly not uh, you those know. you know people <laughs> that are drowning in Louisiana right now through unprecedented rainfall, possibly because of some sort of, I don't know, global problem that we have with uh, climate. Who knows? But yeah, fuck the earth. Things I do changing. like that.
1: Good stance there, Marcus. <laughs> That's very correct. Um, all right. Uh, so let's go on really quickly. And then we had to wrap it up with Hillary Clinton. You mentioned um, police militarization and will she do anything about it? You believe that she will. I do not believe that she will. This is where I have to break from my pro fracking stance against Hillary Clinton. And I say pro fracking in a uh, mildly lighthearted way. I think it should be again, like I just said, part of a larger thing. Um, but she, she was the one who signed the 1033 program, which was, the, uh, which was an amendment attached to the nat- uh, National Authorization Act in 1996. Obviously, they were for the na- uh, National Authorization Act in 1993. Uh, maybe it was 1994. It was signed under Bill Clinton. Hillary Clinton absolutely loved it. That allowed uh, the military to give military equipment and goods to local police precincts and things like that because, quite frankly, they had an abundance of them. And leftover. Just a bunch of leftover bombs and missiles and tanks because God knows Stevens Point, Wisconsin, needs a tank. They need an MRAP, dude. Why do you think all of a sudden we live in a, we live in a militarized <coughs> world? And it is because of the policies from the Clinton administration, from the uh, Bush administration, and certainly from the Obama administration as well. Why do you think all of a sudden she would change course and somehow realize the error of her ways and repeal some of the laws that she was so um, positive to push?
2: Well. I'm talking specifically about mass incarceration and that aspect of it. In terms of the, and I con- want to
1: give props to Obama. We haven't we haven't done it yet. He released what was it, 166 prisoners more than nine presidents combined. If you are one of those prisoners that he released, please don't commit a crime and ruin this because it will <laughs> never happen again. Don't
0: Willie Horton his ass. Yes, do mm-hmm. not.
2: Just don't do it.
1: Look what happened to Dukakis, and do not make that happen oh, to man. Barack Obama,
2: please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a tough one. Um, the uh... I'm <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but with the that in the uh, the Daisy ad from. Uh, uh, LBJ mm. Daisy ad. Oh, no, that was a few. Pu- uh, yeah. yeah, brilliant ad. What's his name? Against Goldwater. Um, I think, but um, no. The uh, I th- I'm talking about mass incarceration. I'm okay. talking about this idea where people like the you know the kind of like the nonviolent offenses and nonviolent drug offenses, the long sentences and stuff like that. Totally. There's a number of people on both sides of the aisle that want to push things forward. There's different. There's been different bills that have been apparently supposed to be kind of like being pushed through uh, you know through congress and stuff like that that will you know that will limit different things however it's it's not really a, it's not really really a priority i just don't think she's going to do anything reactionary with it i think she's going to do do where do what the uh, what what's going on with where the political winds are blowing and stuff like that in terms of continuing to militarize our police and you know selling them all the weapons and giving or giving them away basically um I, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I can't really imagine that that mm-hmm. policy is going to change very much because it's not a very well publicized uh, issue in policy. Nobody really knows about that outside of politically wonky people. The whole militarization of police and well, stuff well, and like the militarization, well, I, of, except the uh, the communities that are getting that are being yes. militarily policed. They know militarily
1: about it. policed, And of course Nixon just uh, there was a there was a document that just came out that uh, basically oh, that laid, laid it out perfectly that Nixon knew that the war on drugs was actually a war on blacks and a war on minority groups. And Ronald Reagan,
2: I'm sure. And and the Clintons, who also doubled, tripled down on it, they also knew exactly what they were doing. Let's be honest about that. Let's be honest about that. The Clintons, that falls on the Clintons' feet. Yes, he was the president, but that was a full Republican Congress that was. Chomping at the bit for that too, and was pushing that tough on crime legislature The '96 crime bill, sure, yes. but guess what? Guess what? The yeah. version that the Clintons did was fucked up. Uh, it's quite possible the version that the that the that the Republican House and Senate were pushing through, I believe, was even worse. There was yeah, some. Well, pushback. who cares? He's
1: the president. He has a thing called veto power. Well, hey... It doesn't matter what the Republicans would have done. But no, I he agree. put through I, that. He hey, agreed with that agree. sentiment behind hey, the law, I, and I, he knew
2: exactly who he was feeding, and what happened was... I agree, but how come no one remembers that Newt Gingrich was leading the charge on that, too? Because it doesn't matter. Because you know what at what the mean? end
1: of the day, if the president isn't pushing through the bill, and the president doesn't support the bill, the bill doesn't get passed. Veto power
2: is pretty damn important. You could argue it's the most important thing other than the Supreme Court that the president has. Well, how come How come Hillary Clinton deals with more shit about that than, say, John Kerry did, or, like, Joe Biden, who wrote the fucking thing and who still who still actually stands up. Because Hillary Clinton is the one running for president. Yeah, but I mean it's like people don't even know this other shit.
1: You don't even know this. But also what happened when it came to the ninety six crime bill or the ninety four crime bill Whatever happened in the 90s, uh, whatever whatever year the crime bill was, um, was yeah, the, yeah. It, we've slowly been going through a situation where municipalities are making a, a, mud, uh, a lot of their money through uh, law enforcement. And, and cops were never supposed to be an extension of the tax ban. That was never the intent of officers. Uh, and so what's happening now, and I just had a great conversation with Camille and uh, Ebony um on uh, the show Kennedy on Fox Business. Yeah, you Kennedy. can check that out. Um, MTV Fox Business. VC. Fox Business. 24% I saw her
2: interviewing Joe Stein, by the way. We can talk about that. Oh, yeah. Time. Kennedy actually likes Jill. She does. She's um, like, what do I have to do? What do we have to do to get you and Gary Johnson on these goddamn debates?
1: Yeah, yeah. Kennedy's yeah. a huge libertarian yeah. and, uh, and per, uh, opponent of third-party candidates. Uh, basically, so we have a situation in Ferguson. 24% of the entire city was making, uh, their money was coming from, you know, police stops, ticketing, and things like that. That yeah, was never the intention. Tough. And I don't see Hillary Clinton and having any idea uh, or desire to change the facts in the country that's happening right now uh, where these police precincts, these police are going into uh, environments that they know, uh, they, you know, it's like if you're a fisherman, you go to the hole that has all the fish. You know, and they know for a fact they can just go in and ticket, you know, as many people as possible and come out with a huge cash, uh, with a with a huge cash load and go back and uh, And they did a
2: job well done. So well, you very well may be right with that, but you very well may be right. But let me ask you this. Ah, uh, first of all, the Department of Justice, uh, although finding like in that uh, that the uh, you know the murder of, of Michael Brown was not like uh, was not malicious intent was not done, the cop like went you know did not get indicted at the federal level either, right? So, but then the, that same Department of Justice did say yeah. that there was institutionalized racism happening here, and they did they did point out what was happening in Montgomery County, like you were talking about with all of the nickel and diming and basically the taxing people for being poor and stuff like that, but. And that means that the DOJ is actually, under Obama, is actually doing something about that. I think she's going to be an extension of Obama, so you can argue that she would do that. Uh, Let me ask you this. Do you really think, as president, Gary Johnson would be able to do anything? Do you think, like... Gary Johnson, as governor, he vetoed more laws than uh, more more uh,
1: bills than nine presidents combined. There is some flaws with what he did. He allowed, I believe it was three private prisons to be built uh, in New Mexico. Uh, But he did transform that state in a lot of ways and got it into relatively positive fiscal area. It wasn't perfect. But, yeah, I think that he understands how to legislate. And I don't see how he would do any worse than Jill Stein, worse than Hillary Clinton. And I think he would do a hell of a lot better than Donald Trump. So, yeah, I, I think that's fine. I mean, Loretta, uh, Loretta Lynch and uh, and, um, and Eric Holder, uh, they both want Hillary because at the end of the day, they want job security. And it's the exact same thing with James Comey, the head of the FBI. He was outlandish that he was the one who even gave that speech regarding Hillary and her email scandal, which we never even got to. So you have to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he is a he's sort he's a 10 year term as head of the FBI. These people at the end of the day, like all of us are out for their own self-interest. And they want Hillary elected because they know they're going to have a job. Up. So, you know, that's why Hillary's been able to get Scott uh, off, Scott, for all this stuff. And I don't think that they care one iota about what's actually happening in these local uh, municipalities. I think it's all political and under a Hillary Clinton administration, which I do think we will end up saying, I, I think we're going to find um, the
2: status quo is maintained and uh, hardened. Well, you know what? I think let's say that's the case. I used to be I used to subscribe to what like uh Jill Stein or Shama Sawant that a uh, socialist city councilwoman in Seattle would say is like, oh, you know, it's so dangerous for Hillary Clinton to win the presidency because it it's a demoralizing to the left. It keeps everybody uh splintered and fractured and all of the energy, all of the wind out that goes out of the sails and stuff like that. I think from being at the DNC and talking to all these Bernie supporters and Jill yeah. supporters and stuff like that, they fucking hate Hillary Clinton More. so fucking much yeah. that I do think that if she becomes president and people on the right hate Hillary Clinton, too. It might be the thing that keeps people motivated and politicized and active in politics sure. in our country, united over different perspectives of hate on Hillary Clinton. Then it maybe is. it could be a really good thing. And yeah. maybe there's going to be this whole, like, the it's like an administration later, the, the left wing is going to have the equivalent of the Tea Party movement. and Maybe they're going to start running all these Bernie crack, quote-unquote, Bernie crack candidates and all of this stuff. Well, they've tried. And maybe that's going to happen. They've never really tried like this. I um, mean, you could argue Elizabeth Warren
1: is a uh, is an of an Occupy movement or something like yeah, that. But I'm
2: talking about people running. The whole Occupy movement was no leaders, you know, nobody's running, the system's broken so we can't run within it. Now you have people that are running down ticket mm-hmm. um, as progressive Democrats or
0: Greens or right, independents, right. and it's it's a, it might happen.
1: Which I think is a great thing, and that's the one thing I've always demonized the Occupy
0: Wall Street movement about. They never just organized. They you never had organize. a leader. I mean, that's the problem with a lot of times on the left. That's what I've been yeah. saying. I mean, is without a leader, without a leader, nothing ever gets done. Right? That's ever. changing. Maybe the, the Occupy
2: yeah. was it was like that was like their 1.0 you know what I mean they just were becoming politically aware for the first time you know now it's, it's getting yeah. it's a little bit more matured and this is the next incarnation of it
1: it's a crazy year mr Parks yeah, you know is. we have uh the Democrats are running the Warhawk where they're running the center-right candidate're uh, they're running somebody who is for free trade the Republicans are running a total uh out of the box candidate who's against TPP against free trade pro uh you know against NAFTA I mean out of the box he's that, out of the that, box that's it that, that, like that's the, the <laughs> Like I mean, that's
0: what you're going to use to describe Trump right I now. I don't know how else
1: he's out, of, out the box. of the box. He's like a Taco Bell is, you know, think outside the bun. He's thinking outside the bun uh, in every possible way and he is I mean Before we go, can I, can I just mean that? no, they're, a they, crazy. they're running a
0: fever nightmare. Yeah. Like
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah.
0: That's what they're running. Can yeah. I just
2: ask this one thing? I know that we got to wrap it up. Can I just ask you this one thing? And I want to know because I can't believe that I'm conflicted about this in my head. Is he really smart or really dumb? Like, for him to be able to talk out of both sides well, of his mouth and to play the yeah. perfect role to appeal to what he's appealing to right now, is it just a product of, where, of all of these different policies and different things that have happened in our country mm-hmm. that has, has allowed a man with his quote-unquote skill set or his personality to shine and be seen as appealing? Or is he fucking
0: brilliant? No, I think what it is is that he's using the same techniques that worked really well in small rooms for decades for him. Like, this uh, the sort of like riding the wave technique that mm-hmm. he uses uh, in crowds and businesses and and on television like in The Apprentice stuff like that he could use that to his advantage but now he's in a position where he's going to a lot of different places and speaking to a lot of different folks and he's on a national stage where that sort of shit that he says he's not talking to Amorosa anymore you know like he yeah. can he can yeah. ride a wave through an apprentice, uh, apprentice episode and say a couple of different things and talk out of a couple of different sides of his mouth and that's fine but now he's saying shit that has ramifications on a global scale and he's not he's not brilliant at all and but well, he, I don't think he's dumb at all he's just I mean you're judging a fish on his ability to climb a tree here um I would say I would answer that question with, what is
1: what is intelligence? <laughs> uh, yeah. When it comes yeah. to when no, it comes it's, to it, intelligence, it's uh, the same thing. You from know? an entertainment point of view, he's absolutely crushing it, very you know? much. So. And he does have an emotional intelligence to him. He's meeting the people that feel disenfranchised, and he's being able to regurgitate what he feels they want to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, does he have? He doesn't know anything about foreign policy. He has no academic. Uh, he does not have uh, political intelligence by any stretch of the imagination. But I think at the end of the day, he won't be winning, and his is his his, his uh, celebrity has never. Been Higher yeah. at the end of the day, and so you could argue uh, that's that's a sign of intelligence. He, uh, it, it, yeah, you know, t- he's losing some money with his Trump resorts right now. But as soon as he is not president, I think people will go back and look at his candidacy and start to find some of the good things that he did do and
2: expose. And the way that the way that our the way that our ratings based advertising based corporate media is set up, he is a great fit for them. Totally. So, you yeah, know, and that's I mean, exactly where. Which he gets is what's all this. so cool about you know Redacted Tonight is we're not beholden to that model, so we can critique Hillary. <laughs> from the left as much as we want. Just can't talk about Vladimir What is there much? bad to say about Russia? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, well, thank you so much for being here, JFOD. You got it, man. You're the always best. fun. Seriously, now, where can people find uh, Redacted? Redacted
2: tonight? Uh, yeah, It's got- all over social media, too. You it guys do really, really well with that. Thanks, man. Uh, the show's building, dude. Um, yeah, you know what? I mean, it's on RT America, but that's like deep in the cable package, but we just tell people just to watch it on YouTube if you like it. It would mean a lot if you subscribe. It's just YouTube.com slash... Redacted Tonight, um, at Redacted Tonight. On Twitter, and I'm at the real JFod on Twitter. That's great, Marcus Parks. You can find Marcus on
1: Twitter at Marcus Parks on Instagram at Marcus Parks. I'm on Twitter at Ben Kissel and on Instagram at Ben Kissel One. And you can go to the Facebook page Able Against Top Hat. Just search it there, and you'll you'll find a bunch of fun conversations happening. Uh, people are wonderful. It's good times, hot action. Uh, that's what I've been saying about it. And <laughs> good uh, times,
0: hot action. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. Uh, it's, you know, and listen to Marcus's show, The Lucky Bone Show. It's really kind of exciting if you like music. Yeah, MixCloud.com
0: slash Marcus Parks. It's the only place you can find to go there. That's right. All right, everyone, we'll talk to you soon. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com.
1: Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom.
2: If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful, but we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost.
3: In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years,